Bad snap. Bobble oh, scoops oh. up. Here come the Spartans. Touchdown, MSU. From WDBM East Lansing, you're listening to the Green and White Report, a production from Impact Sports. This is your source for sports news, debates, and more for Michigan State, Detroit, and the rest of the sports world. Green and White Report, Trent Valley, Ryan Collins here with you Monday morning. It's our new time slot, Trent. Yeah, it's kind of fun, but I, I, I got to say, before we go any further, I feel hankless. I know. Hankless. We are hankless. Our producer extraordinaire, Henry Menegos, is off doing some other cool stuff for the station, so he's not able to make it to the pod slash radio show it's kind of weird it feels like a podcast when we it do does this. feel like a podcast because we do it on zoom and we do it in advance of the so, live so. airplay yes so yeah. excuse me if i said podcast but yeah hank will not be here this week he might hop on later if he's able to finish some stuff but we will miss hank this beautiful beautiful sunday night as we record and monday morning i hope everyone's having a good monday morning i'll be honest i'm a little tired I'm grinding through finals week. I I can't wait for next Friday. Yeah. I mean, next, next Friday, this Friday, this Friday, I guess technically, yeah, this Friday, it feels like a world away, but it's boy, it's going to be something when this Friday hits and we're just done for the semester and we can kind of let loose for a couple of weeks. It's been something, man. I don't mean to, I don't mean to complain and act like things are worse than they are, but I think with school online for the entire semester, it's It's been, you know, at least last semester, talking about spring 2020, we kind of, you know, we started in person and then everything moved online and it was kind of a weird transition. And then this semester, you just get kind of thrown into the fire. Like, here you go online for a full semester. And it's it's fine. I think everyone's kind of made the adjustments at this point, but it's still exhausting. I think we're all ready to be done with that and hopefully look forward to a 2021 winter slash spring semester i guess it's technically called i don't know i'm excited uh, it's the thing about it like it, there's a lot of things that like every time i go on campus or like i drive by something like i miss walking on campus yeah it's like, one of the big things about like going to michigan state like it's a huge campus and stuff and, and it's so beautiful you, yeah, yeah it's and, beautiful. and you, you got a million people walking on campus it's fun and yeah. i don't know it's it, it kind of decompresses you there's been no really decompression you're just see you're kind of locked into wherever you're at, either if you're at home or yeah. your place at school. It, it, it that's kind of been brutal, but I mean, hey, it is what it is. You if you give me lemons, I'll make lemonade. Hey, that's a good attitude to have. I want yeah, you. To keep that, I want you to keep that same energy when we record the Motown Rundown on Monday. Shameless plug. Yeah, and Trent's out his Lions garb on. Got the yeah. number nine. Jersey, I'm assuming. I can't see. It's actually, it's actually 84. Hey, you Number, know what? Your Aunt Mary Jo, big, Mar- big Herman yeah, Moore fan, yeah. correct? Yeah. Her, huge Herman Moore fan. Shout out Aunt Mary Jo. But, yeah, Herman Moore, nice. I mean, Lions, classic Lions team. This was actually the most, I mean, Lions of Lions and Packers football fo- games. I don't even know what I'm saying at this point. Uh, I, I, I'm so delusional. And just, I think like, anyone right. who's listening to this kind of understands where you're going. Okay? I got a noodle brand right now. I've seen the story a hundred times. We've seen the story so many times. We're exhausted. It is what it is. I don't know. Yeah. But, hey, we got a lot to talk about today on the Green and White Report. Michigan State football. 
we'll do a special Sparty Awards after Trent last week was talking about all the Christmas movies he's been watching. We're going to do our top four Christmas movies for Sparty Awards. So haven't first time we've done Sparty Awards, I think, in almost like a month. So special treat for today's episode as we start getting into the Christmas season, talk a little Michigan State basketball, and of course, we'll talk a little bit of Lions, kind of mix that in to the mix and maybe give our Monday night picks for Monday night football. But first, let's talk about Michigan State football. Actually, no, I almost skipped over it. What made you mad this week, Trent? Ryan, I'm going to – I can't believe I just called you Ryan. That was way. weird. I didn't, I didn't like that. Listen, Collins, listen, listen. I – Think I'm allowed to foreshadow a little bit. I'm not. I'm not going to get too far into it because I want people to listen to the Motown rundown. No free ads. I am upset this week because the NFL officiating crew for the uh, Detroit Lions Green Bay Packers game was absolutely terrible. Um, there Didn't were help the Honolulu Blue out today. There were there were a number of calls in the second half, particularly of this Green Bay Packers showdown. Um, and look, 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 let me preface, let me preface this by saying the Detroit Lions are pretty much out of it. Right. But, yeah. but they were in, Hey, they were in the hunt. They were on the yeah. graphic. They were on the they're, graphic they're for a graphic. couple of weeks. And, and you know what? They might continue to be on the graphic because at eight and eight, you still mathematically have a chance to get in. Let me say this coming into this game here at five and seven, you know, you pretty much know you got to win out, end up nine and seven. Okay. And I think this is the first time since about, 2017 that I felt that I've kind of felt that fiery passion in my soul for the Detroit lions in December for a, for a December Detroit lions game. You know what I mean? Like usually, you know, last season, we talk about last season, the lions went three, 12 and one. It's kind of over by the end of November. You're not really in December. You're watching the games. We're not really invested. Right. Two years ago, kind of the same thing. You end up six and 10. You're not great. It's been since about 2017, which would make it, the first time in my college career this year that I've kind of really felt invested in the Detroit Lions game in December, and I was, I don't want to say livid, but I was pretty upset with the officiating on, on, uh, on, on Sunday. And I'll, I'll elaborate that more on uh, the Motown rundown, so everybody tune in there. But, you know, there's I mean, I, you talk about we, it here for a little yeah, bit. I mean, we, I, we, got, we got holding calls that they won't even say what number it's on. You know, they're, they're not really specifying. And then, then we've got, you know, Marvin Jones making an absolute beast catch and they're calling it back saying it was a drop, just things like that. You know I, what I mean? All, I, of, course, that, of course, the onside kick that Miles Killebrew recovered inbounds and they're going to call it out of bounds. It is what it is, man. It's the Packers. It's classic. It's the NFC North. It's Lions versus Packers. Packers going to get all the benefit of the doubt, every call. I understand. I've seen the movie a hundred times, but it still doesn't absorb the blow for me any more than it did tonight i'm very upset about it that's all it is and i've okay. been drowning my sorrows and playing euchre with my family so shout out to my family because if i didn't have that if i would have watched this by myself at my apartment different story okay okay what made me mad this week is why does michigan state wear black fleets i've brought this up multiple times on the show and this can kind of dive us in because Michigan State had really cool uniforms on this week. Yeah, they got the Gruff's helmet was an absolute hit. They better yeah. wear that forward. They got the Gruff's party, your white top, you got the green pants, and then you have black shoes with white socks. I understand Alabama, Penn State, and USC all do this. Michigan State doesn't do this. There's historic success here. In the last 10 years, you went to a college football playoff. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't understand. It's like, oh, we gotta build it from the ground up. Like, 
just be yourself. It, I don't know. It just kind of pisses me off. And, and, well, and the, well, can I ask you, can I ask you, would you rather, I mean, are you trying to, I, I assume you're getting at the fact that you want the Spartans to wear white cleats or is it? Green? Yes. White, white cleats. cleats. Okay. It's clean. Yeah. You look faster on the field when you got white cleats. It's a fact. You look faster on the clean when you got white, you got white cleats on, you look cleaner, you look faster. Yeah, for sure. What's the, what's the saying? They say like, look good, feel good, play good. Yeah. Deion Sanders. Yeah. I think that, I think that's what he said. Sounds like Deion. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I believe that. I believe that. They look clean. I'm just saying. I, I, I just don't get it. They're, Michigan State's not Alabama. Michigan State's not USC. They don't traditionally just wear black cleats. Right. Okay? I, I, I don't know. It, I, it's one of the stupid things that kind of pisses me off. But you know what? I, I, as a fan. something. At, at what? Did you, have this, did you have this in mind coming into the show, or did you think of it on the dome? No, I've, I've had this on my mind for about like two months, ever since Michigan State just <laughs> has decided that they're going black leads, white socks with every uniform combination. But yeah. hey, I just want to men- mention it today as the season winds down. And, and with that, we can get into the Michigan State football game. Great as a, Yeah, great side away. Michigan State takes on Penn State. Looks fantastic in the first half. Looks fantastic. Payne Thorne throwing the ball all over the yard. You see freshman Travion Morgan at the end of the half make a spectacular catch in the back of the end zone to give the Spartans, I think, 11-point lead at that juncture of the game. But I, I, Spartans fall 39-24, to 24, get absolutely their doors blown off in the second half, getting outscored by 26. Uh, Trent, I'll start off with you. Do, do you take more positives? I, 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 I'm not even going to ask that because I think it's a pretty easy answer. There's, yeah. there's more positives than negatives in this game, yeah. I thought, personally. Yes. Just because you, you saw your quarterback, Peyton Thorne, Look like a guy who can possibly be the guy going forward in the next couple of years. Yep, absolutely. Uh, just to elaborate on that real quick, Peyton Thorne, obviously, 22 of 39 for 325 yards, three touchdowns, only one interception. Um, I think this is the first real game this season, besides maybe the Michigan game. And, and uh, you know, Rocky Lombardi just looked fantastic. Like, you, you kind of you're like, okay, we had good quarterback play here in East Lansing. I think this was the first game since then where you really looked at Peyton Thorne and you just kind of enjoyed watching uh, him play. So, I mean, that's that. I think he's definitely established, you know, what whether or not Rocky Lombardi is healthy going into next season. I think uh, Rocky, excuse me, Peyton Thorne has really established his, uh, his name as being the, you know, starter going into next season for uh, Mel Tucker and the Spartans. But I'll say this, my other big plus has to be Jordan Simmons. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's a true freshman, 14 carries for 72 yards. That's an average of about five yards per carry. I mean, I'll take that all day long. You got to try to establish the run at some point to help your quarterback out a little bit. And as Mel Tucker continues to draw in his recruits here, I mean, this is, that's a big plus. Obviously you have, you know, Connor Hayward, he's still doing work, but you know, Elijah Collins get lost in the shuffle a little bit. That's kind of been the story all year. But as far as the Michigan state offense goes, I expected them to kind of come out with this sort of energy with Peyton Thorne under center. And uh, I, I, I think I was mostly impressed. I, I, I guess I have to say I was mostly impressed with the way that Michigan State offense played. You would have liked to see him make a few big plays in the second half, of course, as this kind of was a game hanging in the balance, a game the Spartans could have really taken advantage of and won. But again, like Jalen Naylor, Jalen Reed, I, I think this is the first time all season that I can honestly say they were used correctly both with six catches, both with at least 75 yards receiving. Um, Jalen Naylor, obviously, with the two touchdowns. It's just big plays like that that I look for. And I think Peyton Thorne kind of established himself as the starter going into next season. That's just 
that that's my big takeaway from this game. Well, yeah, and uh, the Spurs have one more game. They announced it today that they'll take on Maryland at seven thirty on the road next week. So we'll keep you locked in for that. I, I and I don't know if the Spurs win if they'll be eligible for a bowl. I don't know. I, I don't know what the situation is there uh, for a team like this who's got a lot of young pieces and a guy like Peyton Thorne. Maybe the opportunity to have a couple extra weeks of practice would help this program, especially with a guy like Mel Tucker, who hasn't had a whole lot of time with just on-field stuff, with everything that's going on with the world. But I don't know. I, I The one thing I'll say, I mean, the offensive line, it's not been good for the past three years. It was bad on Saturday, especially in the second half, when the Spartans need to drop back and pass the football. But when you talk about Peyton Thorne, I, I, I think the previous couple of weeks, you kind of saw flashes. You're like, okay, like he, he has something. Like he, he, but you saw tangible evidence here. Like that throw to Travion Morgan at the end of the half is a big time throw. Like yes. that throw he made, like that drive they put together where Jalen Naylor has that, I believe it was a 30 yard touchdown where they were just moving the football, throwing and passing. They had a run option that actually looked like, like they could go 50 50, like keeping the defense on their heels. Like that. They looked like a Division One college football quarterback, and, and, and Rocky Lombardi just doesn't look like that. And, and we've worked on it. We just don't think he's just not a quarterback. And, and I'm not going to elaborate on that anymore because right. that's just being a dead horse. But I, you're completely right. He got like everyone involved. You saw the tight end get involved for the first time in a really long time. And that, and Jay Johnson came in here and basically explained, I think the tight end is the most important part of our offense, most important position. Matt Dotson had three catches for 48 yards. You, you finally saw Trey Mosley start to get involved, three catches for 30 yards. Talked about Reed and Naylor. They both had nice names. J.M. Naylor, six receptions, 100 yards, two TDs. Reed, six receptions, 76 yards. Trey Matt Morgan, I, I think that's the first time he stepped on the field and he made an unbelievable catch in the back of the end zone over two Penn State defenders. One reception at 26 yards. I, I, I have a take for you, Trent, and I don't know what this defense is going to look like in the next year. I don't know if Antoine Simmons decides that. Hey, I think he, this is his last year, but everyone has a free year of eligibility. And, and, and this might be crazy coming off a game where the Spartans basically got hammered for about three quarters of it. I think Michigan State's not going to be bad next year. And, and, and the whole narrative that this is like – like I understand a three-year rebuild in the sense of getting back to those Mark D'Antonio where maybe they're frisky enough to compete for a Big Ten like East title or get to Indianapolis. But yeah, that's well down the road. I'll agree with you there. I think there's some pieces here where this, it, it, where you can logically say that this Michigan State team next year can easily win seven football games and maybe even eight. Is that crazy of me to no, say? I, I- I don't think it's crazy at all. And you know me, I'm a slappy optimist, but let me just tell you right now, Peyton Thorne's a redshirt freshman. Jordan Simmons is a true freshman. Jaden Reed and Jalen Naylor are both sophomores. So, I mean, that kind of takes place on, on the offensive uh, side of the ball. That kind of takes care of all that. You've got a nucleus there. I definitely think you can work with it there. And then on the defensive side, that's kind of Mel, Mel Tucker's bread and butter in terms of recruiting. And I think the more recruits you get in for Mel, I think you're able to take on that, you know, not to be not to be totally slapstick here, but that relentless, um, you know, a twenty-one build strong. The mantra he takes on, right? Like you're able to. The, the more years you get under Mel's belt, the more you're able to kind of talk yourself into that. So I, I absolutely don't think it's crazy to to think about the Spartans' six-seven win team next year. I don't know. I 
I, especially looking at the way the Big Ten is trending. I don't think – I mean, we could talk about Jim Harbaugh coming back next year for Michigan. Who knows? Ohio State's always going to be what they're going to be. But in terms of, you know, the big picture here for the Big Ten, I don't think there's much clarity, right? Because we came into this season thinking that Penn State was going to be a fantastic program and hasn't been so, right? We came into the season thinking Rutgers was going to be a laughingstock again. Hasn't been so. So I don't really know if it's kind of a, a 2020 type of thing here with the Big Ten. But I just – there's not a whole lot of clarity here with what's going on in this conference. And I just think with all things considered and the young nucleus you have at least – on the offensive side of the ball, the Spartans are definitely going to be a force to be reckoned with next season in the Big Ten. I, I force is reckoned with. I, I it, maybe not that, but I just don't think they're like. The, it's obvious that Tucker thinks there needs to be some sort of roster overhaul in the next couple of years, and, and you've kind of he's kind of hinted at that in his press conferences the last couple of weeks, but. Like you said, like the offensive nucleus isn't bad. I, I think a lot of guys on defense have settled down. Uh, and, and, and I think Scotty Hazleton's done a really good job with this defense. I think this yeah. was the one week that they kind of let you down. And, and, and I understand they got gashed by Ohio State last week, but when it's not Ohio hard. State. It's Ohio State. Yeah. Right. that's and, and when you had no offensive presence in the first half, it's kind of hard to put any faith in this defense when you have no breaks. So I, I'm just saying, like, I, I think the defense is going to be fine. And, and you've seen guys like Mallory, Angelo Gross, kind of guys that you didn't really get to see in, in the last few years. And younger guys, like Kalon Durbin's kind of coming to his own. And I, I've been hard on Kalon Durbin for a while. He, like Shakira Brown leads NCAA in pits interceptions. Like, he's been good. He, and, and, and he's a big physical guy. Like, I, I, I don't know. How, how they're going to replace Antoine Simmons, who I think is the best player on this football team. Agreed. But, but you still got young guys in the secondary who have played a lot. So I, 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 as the Smarts are two and four right now, as I said, they'll take on Maryland next week. Are they two, two and, and four? Two, two and, and five. five. Excuse, yep. excuse me. Two and five. For some reason, I thought the Michigan State had two games canceled, but two and five. I mean, go out and you win against Maryland. You call it a success, right? If they go three yes, and five, yeah. Collins, I want to back the bus up. I remember you and I talking at the beginning of the season kind of on, on this show about what our expectations were for this team. And I think we both said that kind of four and four is in ceiling. You know, like that. that's as if, – if this team goes four and four, we're doing cartwheels and backflips and, and giving each other wet willies and all that good stuff. Like that is – that's – four and four is a huge success, especially in the Big Ten East. But well, it would be three I, and five. Well, so now it's three and five is what I'm saying. So, so yeah. four and four is the best you can do. Three and five is just one step beneath that. And, and yeah, I mean, if the Spartans are to go beat the Terrapins next week, I have to be excited about that. And I want to ask you about this. I want to get your thoughts. Do you think the Spartans will make a bowl game? Cause I know technically everyone's bowl eligible. Yeah, um, I don't know. It works, but you know, at the Spartans at three and five, having beat Michigan, having beat Northwestern and having beat Maryland, is that enough for you to put them in a bowl game? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if they'll accept it because there's a lot of other stuff going on. The one thing that interests me, like looking back at their previous schedule, like before COVID hit, and, and, and you look at Michigan State's non-conference this year, it would have been brutal. I know Miami got banged up by UNC pretty bad this weekend, and BYU the last couple weekends have not looked like the team they've looked. But that would have been tough for Michigan State. And, and, and I've kind of said this, I mean – this has not been a silver lining for anyone because it's it's truly been 
like not great at all. But from the fact of the matter of letting kids develop and just kind of gaining confidence in what Mel Tucker is trying to do, not playing those teams early on has helped this program. And, and, and I, another, like I said, another week of practice would help them. I don't know if they will be eligible for a bowl because I, I really don't understand because I think everyone is eligible for a bowl. It doesn't Everybody matter. Everybody is, yeah, every yeah. single team. So it, it, it's more based on the fact that the bowl is willing to send an invitation out to Michigan State and they're willing to accept it. But I don't know. I, I, last thing I wanted to say is uh, I, I hate to be critical, but I, I just – and I'll, I'll give him credit. In the first half, the play calling from Jay Johnson, you actually saw someone kind of get into a rhythm. You saw a little yeah. bit of creativity. Even in the first play of the game, you do that double reverse and, and, and Jaden Reed, like, falls down. Like, you saw some sort of creativity. And, and, and I'll, I'll give him credit, but I, I think – you've had a big enough sample size in these seven games to question Jay Johnson's ability as a play caller. And and I'm not giving the benefit of the doubt because like I said, crazy year, not a lot of time with these guys on the field. And I'm assuming they haven't even put in half of their stuff that they usually want in the playbook, especially with the fact that they don't have a stable guy at QB right now, but that's the one thing you're going to have to uh, – that's one of the takeaways I have uh, is that the play calling is a question. I think the defensive coaching staff is one of the better defensive coaching staffs in the country. I just have questions on the offensive side of the ball, even though I, th- I think there's the most talent there. But yeah, well, it, I, I don't want to harp on it too much, but to go back to kind of that idea that, like, it's a crazy year and all that good stuff, but then you add in the fact that Mel Tucker really got this job in February. I mean, like, let, let's, like, just – you talk it, – it, all things considered, I, I think it's really tough to be hard on this coaching staff, including Mel Tucker, including Jay Johnson, Scotty Azelton, all things considered. I, I just – you have to run it back, and you have to get some new guys in here, and you have to see how – because I think, you know, Mel Tucker, and to, to give the man credit, he has gotten his guys up to play for the two biggest games this season. And that has, I mean, I, okay, assuming Ohio State, you know, that's just kind of a, you chalk that up as an L. Not to be a pessimistic person, but it's just Well, they like, just weren't going to beat Ohio State. Yeah, you just, you just know, it's not, the Ohio State, obviously, we all know the Buckeyes are an SEC team playing in the Big Ten. So, whatever, you beat Michigan and you beat Northwestern, which, you know, coming into the season, you might not think Northwestern would be a great win, but at the time you beat them, number eight in the country and one of the best defenses in the country. So, you hang your hat on that. You just do it and you go into next season. And, and regardless, you know, the Michigan State Spartans sitting two and five right now, regardless of if you beat Maryland next week, you just, it's baby steps. And I know that's not what people want to hear, but it's also the, the, the fact, Collins, you mentioned, it is a crazy year and you just have to take it all into consideration. And I think you got to run it back with these guys because I think you've got something here specifically on the offensive end. We'll see what happens on the defense with Antoine Simmons and all that good stuff. But I think the Michigan State Spartans got something good going on offense, especially this week after you saw Peyton Thorne's performance. I think you're going to see a lot of guys transfer, and you already saw a talented guy, four-star guy from the Mark D'Antonio regime, Julian Barnett, who really never saw the field after being moved back to defensive back in his sophomore season and, and, and couldn't find his place. And you can't, you can't blame the kid. I mean – he didn't sign up to play for Mel Tucker. Now he's not getting any PTs and look elsewhere. That's just how it is. And I think you're going to see a lot of guys kind of do that. So I, I, I think that's the one thing that people in the Michigan State fan base 
are going to have to look at the closest. Like, I, I think Mel Tucker will do fine in recruiting. He'll find his guys. And, and, and he talks about all the time that he – the most the thing that he brings to the table that a lot of guys can't compete with him is recruiting. He's going to recruit his butt off and, and recruit, recruit – he always says that, stuff like that. But I, there's going to be mass casualties from this roster. So I'm very interested to see if they dip themselves in the transfer portal, the JUCO. You already saw a couple of JUCO kids commit. I, I, I'm very interested to see what this roster looks like coming into next spring and next fall. So I, 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 I'm interested to see that. But we'll move on, talk a little NFL football. By the way, before we move on to the NFL, did you watch the LSU Florida game last night? I did. I mean, just. My brother, listen, shout out to my older brother, Brock. May or may not have some, may or may not had some bets, some money riding on that game. So it gives it a he little. He didn't have LSU money line, did he? Well, I I, I don't want to say too much, but no comment. No, no, he did not. But okay, yeah. hey, good, hey, good pick, Brock. But uh, I mean, <laughs> that was unbelievable. The guy throwing his completely thirty yards was hilarious. The LSU kicker making a fifty-seven yarder by like fifteen yards was incredible to see for a college kicker. By the way, I I, I watched that like three times. I don't know what was going on with the fog and stuff. I couldn't see it at all, like mid game. So that, that was weird, but hey, whatever. Let's move on to NFL. I mean, not a whole lot going on in NFL this week, personally, as a Detroit Lions fan. Well, I was uh, going to say, for, for us, not a ton, but big picture, there was a lot going on in terms of just playoff implications. I guess specifically the NFC. I think the yeah. NFC is kind of a, a jam right now. Other than that, yeah. I mean, Let's talk about the NFC, because – we talked about the Lions a little bit earlier. They had a couple calls go against their way. I mean, regardless, I mean, the Packers were in control that game the majority of the second half. And, and, and the Lions made it a close game. Stafford kind of gets banged up. but And they just don't get the breaks. That's just the fact of the matter. But looking at the rest of this NFC, who do you think gets that seventh wild card spot? Because as it stands right now, it's a cluster. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, it's like, it's tough. I'm going to say that. I think you have to say the Cardinals, right? I don't, I don't really yeah. know. The, the, the Cardinals are the only team right now that are above 500 that are kind of in the race for that. I mean, you, you, you look at the NFC East, it's just kind of a jam there. The, the Giants are five and eight Eagles, four, eight and one. And then, you know, the NFC North, the Vikings and bears both at six and seven, but you know, past that, I mean, the, the South, the Buccaneers are eight and five, they're going to get that first wild card spot. So it's, it's tough. I think with a gun to my head, I would say I would have to say the Cardinals right now at seven and six. I I, I like the Vikings personally for this spot, and, and, but like they just they're so hit or miss, and and, and they'll lay an ad every two or three games that just kind of like take you off the scent for this Minnesota well, you, Vikings team. You saw what happened today with the Vikings. They're up six zero on the box and ended up down. I think like. 21-6 or 24-6 before Well, Dan could... Bailey is probably not having a job after today, missing three well, that, field goals and, like, two extra points. True. It was unbelievable. Uh, uh, unbelievable scene. I mean, I don't know. We can talk about the Lions for a little bit. I don't want to go too in-depth on it because I'll just get myself upset. Yeah. Um, this Detroit Lions team is so frustrating, and it, 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 I hate to do the SOL thing, but this was so SOL. I'm sorry. It, it just was. You didn't get any benefit of the doubt on the call. By the way, the Marvin Jones thing, that is the worst review thing I've ever seen. It was clearly a catch. Like, yep. clearly, I, I understand yep. 
why you don't call that a catch on the field because you it, it, it was tough to see that he dragged that second foot. That was a horrible call, atrocious. And, yeah. and then on the onside kick, I think you could say that the that ball stayed inbounds, but the way they called it, I, I, I don't know if you can overturn it. That's a tough call. Yeah. But, and, and you have a couple holding calls kind of go against you, but at, you kind of get the benefit of some hold, defensive holding calls there in the second half. I, I don't really think that was a factor in the Lions losing. I think they probably would have had an opportunity. And, and Matthew Stafford maybe doesn't get banged up either if they rule that Marvin Jones catch completion yeah. to the two-yard line, maybe hand it off a couple of times, and the Lions don't have to run an extra five or six plays. I, 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 that's where I would complain. But Exactly. That, that's what it is for me. I'll let you finish, but that, that's what it is for me. Is this? I, I mean, this Lions linebacker core and secondary, it's just – it's horrible. And, and, and as a opti- say you're an optimistic Lions fan, you looked at this offense, you looked at this offensive line, you looked at some of the pieces, you're like, they're not that bad. Like, yeah, it may, it maybe you get it, like, once you get Galladay back and you go out and sign maybe a wide receiver, you go, uh, go re sign maybe, maybe Marvin Jones. I, I, I don't think that's probably the right move but you could do that you don't or go sign another wide receiver out in free agency the offense looks like hey let's roll run it back the defense is so broken and yeah. and, and, and i understand matt patricia's scheme and, and player evaluation skills is the main culprit for this i i just i don't know what they do with stafford based on the fact that i think this defense is at least two or three years away from being capable to compete for a title. Well, look, if not, a t- not even a title playoff contention, how about that? I, that? That's fair. And if anyone's listening to this and they're wondering why this game, like why we're even talking about this game, because yes, the lions are dead last in the NFC North. They're now five and eight, you know, they're looking at their draft pick it, for me. I want to, I want to give people context to this. The Detroit lions came into this game at five and seven, having fired their head coach, Matt Patricia, two weeks ago. Daryl Bevel steps in last week, gets a solid win against a division opponent, a division opponent who Matt Patricia never beat, by the way, the Chicago Bears. So now you're kind of looking at, okay, this team's five and seven. Uh, you got four tough games left, but say they play hard for Daryl Bevel and they sneak in. And I think that was the ideal situation for every Lions fan, including myself and my family and my friends and like my coworkers, everything, right? We're all, it's all riding on this. And you come into this game and you actually play hard. And everything works out, but Collins, I want to bring up one thing here. The Green Bay Packers and the Detroit Lions both scored seven points in the first quarter. The Green Bay Packers and the Detroit Lions both scored seven points in the second quarter. It was the third quarter where the Green Bay Packers controlled the entire quarter, the entire 50 minutes, score seven points. Lions score zero. Lions run a total of three offensive plays in the third quarter, and that's ultimately where the Packers were able to pad that lead and kind of pull away. And obviously things got a little tight down the stretch and, you know, the Marvin Jones catch, I know it was horrible. It, it was, it was just that's absolutely. just a horrible call. It, it was no just a terrible call, man. Like I, I, again, like you said, I understand why you're going to call it no catch on the field, but you go and you look at the replay it's not even close. for like four minutes and you check it, both of his feet are down, man. And he's in. And if that is called a touchdown or a catch or whatever, and you're on the one yard line, first and goal from the one and DeAndre Swift, Adrian Peterson, carry on Johnson, whoever it is, punches it in, then you're exactly right. Collins, Matthew Stafford doesn't get hurt. And now the Lions are talking about a whole separate situation going into next week because now you play the Titans and you're probably looking at Chase Daniel under center. 
and that's a stressful thing for Lions fans. Well, I will I, say this. I think ultimately this game kind of took the wind out of your sails. Mathematically, there are some chances to get at it. But the season's over now. Like, the, it's yes. over. And, yes. and, and, and you it's have hard. to come to grips with it sooner yeah. than later, and it'll save you the pain. It, it, it's over. And now you're in a p- weird position because I – I don't know if, like, I, I saw a couple of buddies said to me, he said, is that Stafford's last game and stuff like yeah. that? Because I, it didn't look good. The rib didn't look good. Stafford's a tough okay. dude. And for him to not go in in that last – I mean, I saw one Thanksgiving, I think, three years ago, where he couldn't even walk on his right foot, basically, trying to go out there and play. Like, he's a tough dude. And, and for him not go out there, it, it looks like it's going to be a week-to-week or maybe even longer type of thing. If you have Chase Daniel going on the stretch, you look at this this run that the Lions are about to go on. They play the Titans, play the Buccaneers. Uh, who else? Vikings. I, Vikings, Vikings. 17. So I, they could easily lose all three of those and yep. go 5-11. and 11. And, and, and that'll probably put you square in the Mets for a top-10 pick. If you're a Lions fan, Trent, I know you hate doing this, you got to root against them, right? At this point, it, 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 I think this is the last week where you kind of logically could be like, okay, I think this team could possibly make it. Like, it's over. Season's over. At this point, I could see the Lions is putting Stafford on the shelf just for the fact, hey, well, why don't we put ourselves in the best position to tank? And I know Daryl Bevel probably doesn't want to do that, a guy trying to audition basically for a head coaching job. but And there's no GM there in the Mets, and Rod Wood's not a football guy. It's going to be interesting how they handle a self-proclaimed non-football. Yeah, guy. it's going to be interesting to see how they handle this. And yeah, I, well, I'm curious. I'm curious to think because, like, the Fords are not like necessarily hands-on owners. Like, they usually don't get into the football side of things. So I, I and they I, they have no GM. So how how do you handle this with Matthew Stafford? And that's three weeks. Well, you're exactly right. There's not much structure. I, I think as I'm, I'm glad you brought the Daryl Bevel thing because, you know, anyone who listens to the Motown Rundown knows that I kind of said, look, if this guy is to go 5-0 and by the grace of God, he deserves the job. Like, I'm not even going to lobby for him to or to not get the job. But if he goes 5-0 and and the Lions go 9-7 and and sneak in, then yes, he absolutely deserves that job. Didn't happen. You know, the, the Lions are now 1-1 one one under Daryl Bevel, and, and, you know, the get a win by the skin of your teeth last week against the bears. And this week, obviously heartbreaker against the Packers, if you can even call it that, but look, my honeymoon phase where Daryl Bevel is over, you know, I think well, he's I kind mean, of out of the consideration. He deserves an interview. Yes. I, I understand that, but I don't want to see him back. The whole regime has to go, man. It's time to just clean house. And I know we've been saying that for weeks now, but you know, with Daryl Bevel coming in and the lions with, I believe ESPN gave the Detroit Lions a 1.6% chance to make the playoffs. You have to at least respect Daryl Bevel enough to give him an interview and give him a chance and watch the team over the next five weeks. I understand. But it goes out the window now that the Detroit Lions are now, you know, at best finish 8-8. Eight and eight. And I think even if Matt Patricia finished 8-8, eight and eight, we'd want him gone. So I think you kind of just have to look at this team right now. And, and, and Collins, you, you bring up something important. Uh, that, that I think a lot of people kind of gloss over. This team, you know, I, I, I will say anyone who roots against the team is, is a loser. I'm, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't root against the team. I'm never going to do that. I'm rolling until the wheels fall off. And I'm always, you know, in the moment, you can, you can talk all you want about the draft picks and stuff, but in the moment when the ball is kicked off, you are rooting for that team. There's nothing that can change your mind. 
So that's where I'm well, at. I mean, for, I'm not going to root school. against them, but it's just like yeah, uh, they're going to benefit more if they lose and that's four weeks. Well, and, and, so that, and, and that's, that's why not I a, look back at like the last, you know, two years ago, maybe when you, you look at like Stafford gets hurt for the last eight games and you kind of start to think about things like, okay, the, the playoff picture is kind of out of, you know, our imaginations now. And now we have to kind of look forward to see what's going to happen in these next eight games and the Lions end up with, I, I forget what pick it was at that point. You pick Okuda third yeah. pick and and it's out for is, the man. season if Stafford's not going to play over these next three games then no I don't care to see the Lions win obviously I'm going to root for him as hard as but I the, can but I am as big a Matt Stafford fan as I am a Lions fan and if I, I'm seeing Chase Daniel under center and I know the Detroit Lions really don't have much of a chance to win and to make the playoffs then I'd rather have that better pick okay that's fair I, and, and last thing I'm going to say about this yeah, it does benefit to have like a winning culture and instill that. The problem is it just seems like this Lions team is in for a big rebuild. Yeah. It, just, it, it really does. And on the, de- on the offensive side of the ball, like you can see some things. Like Stafford still can play. He really can. It's just he can't like carry a team like a top three quarterback. And, and this de- he doesn't have a defense around him where this team could compete right now. And I don't think it's even remotely close because they got to finish. They got to figure out their safeties, their linebackers. I don't think they have great defensive linemen. It's just all phases of the defense where I think there's, this team there's struggles. There's a lot of holes. There's a lot of holes on D. You're exactly right. You think about the offense. It's like DeAndre Swift is literally 21 years old. He's my yeah. age. You got T.J. Hawkinson, who's fantastic. You've got, you know, Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay, whatever you do with them, they're reliable. Matthew Stafford, a reliable quarterback. You've got Frank Ragnall, Taylor Decker, two corner pieces on the offensive line. But you shift it to the defense, and it's like, dude, what do we got to cheer for? Because even then, it's like, you know, your, your prized top three pick, Jeff Okuda, having season-ending groin surgery and uh, really didn't impress at all this, this rookie season. So you kind of – you're exactly right. It takes the wind out of your sails a little bit when you look at the defensive end. I don't know. That, that's For me personally, that's it. You've got a couple bright spots. You know, Romeo Aquara and even his brother Julian really didn't get much of a chance. John Penasini looks like he's a piece that you can use going forward. But, you know, the Desmond Trufants and the uh, Jamie Collins, signings. the Jelani Tavais and the Danny Sheltons of this team, you know, and the, even the Everson Griffins. It's just – it's tough – to watch this team play on defense and actually feel like you got something concrete going into 2021. Yeah. that and, and that's why I'm interested. I don't know what the timeline is when they hire a GM. I'm assuming it's out of being the next month or so. Yeah. Should just, be. I, yeah. Because if you want to get Robert Sala, who it sounds like basically every Detroit Lions fan wants them to get hometown kid, just rave reviews in San Francisco. Uh, you're going to have to get a GM and sell this head coach on a vision. Because I, I, I truly don't believe you go head coach and then you hire a G. No, I mean, you, yeah. like I, 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 maybe you do kind of a joint thing. I don't know how that even would work, but I don't know. I digress. We'll move in. Let's get off the sports because the Lions and Mission State football have been a little bit depressing this year. A little exhausting Not, to talk about. Let's be honest. Let's no, I mean, little, let's get ourselves a little relief here. It's a little exhausting. Well, I mean, the two teams are kind of like the same old story. Like every yeah. like every single week, it's just like Michigan State super inconsistent on both sides of the ball. The Lions are the Lions. That, that that's exhausting enough. So uh, let's say the Sparty Awards. Haven't done Sparty Awards since we last time we were together in person. I think which yeah. was maybe more than a month ago. I was gonna say at least at least three weeks. I think it was four yeah. weeks ago. 
But Trump mentioned this last week. He was talking about how he's been going through the entire Christmas movie catalog the past like two or three weeks. How, how, have you been continuing that journey even during finals week? You know, I, I the, the journey has tailed off a little bit, a little bit, but that's expected. You just mentioned it's finals week. I, I've watched a couple Christmas movies over the past few days, but I'm excited to keep it moving this week. Uh, and, and yeah, I don't know. I, I love Christmas movies. I'm just a Christmas movie kind of guy. And now, you know, with all the streaming services and how easy it is, it's just, it's hard not to immerse yourself. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's fair. That is fair. But yeah, I, 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 I and you mentioned a couple of Christmas movies. I, 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 if you listen last week, I think you know what one of Trent's Christmas movies is going to be. I don't think it's the Good Luck Charlie Christmas movie that we talked about. It might be on there. Who knows? But uh, we, it, one thing we got to like keep in the note file, Julian Mitchell, former host of the show, sent us a great idea for Sparty Awards of Disney characters, like a Disney, like, or like maybe like a Nickelodeon, we could do maybe both. That could be something we need to look into the future. We're, we're gonna have to. That, we're gonna have to earmark that. That's a fantastic idea. It's a fantastic idea because I mean the tapes I have about some of the people in those Disney channels slash Nickelodeon shows are as scorching as they get. So I just I, I wanted to put that on the record. But let's get Looking in. Forward to it. Yeah, let's get into number one. Your top four favorite Christmas movies. We'll start off with Tron. My number one is The Year Without a Santa Claus. I mentioned it last last week. It, it's a I know it's one of those puppet movies. It's kind of dumb, but I love it. I've always loved it. Snow Miser, Heat Miser, it's electric. Love the music in it. Um, it's only an hour long, which I also love. Pretty quick. You can just put it on, watch it, get it over with. It's fun. It's good. Uh, it's a little less creepy than some of those puppet movies are, but I don't I know. Than, I've, always, I've always been drawn to it my whole life. I don't know. I don't know. Puppets are just weird, man. They creep well, me out. I, not a bad take by you. I understand. I understand. But what's your what's your number one? Okay, my number one. I, I I hope the listeners have seen this, and I've talked about this a lot. I think I might have talked about this last year. I think Rabs and Julian did this for one of their episodes last year in the Sparty Awards. I got to go with Just Friends. Ryan Reynolds, Anna Ferris, Amy Smart, I believe. And, and just great comedy movie, great rom-com. Ryan Reynolds, I'm a huge Ryan Reynolds guy. A lot of laughs. And, 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 and it's just pure comedy. Love the movie. Shout out to Ryan Reynolds' mom. I don't know what the actor's name who plays Ryan Reynolds' mom in the film. Fantastic. I'm pretty sure my dad like literally pees his pants crying every time he watches the movie just for one scene. If you've seen this movie, it's when they play hockey and Ryan Reynolds becomes like a psychopath. I think that's Kelly Collins' favorite movie scene in the history of movies. I'm gonna, I, I gotta go Just Friends. Fantastic film. And if you well, haven't watched me, it, go out and watch it. Let me say this. I, I, I haven't seen it, but I added it to my list just now as you were talking. I think you've name-dropped this movie like at least six times. And, Maybe a hundred times. And our career, our career together over the span of two or three different shows, I feel like you've, you know, kind of it's You've a been a proponent movie. of Just Friends for a while. So. Well, the, and people are going to be like, is it even a – it takes place during Christmas. It, it has a very, like, coming home, which I think is a big, like, kind of, like, Christmas theme. So, yeah, it's a Christmas movie. So don't okay. try and come at me like it's not a Christmas movie. Just Friends, favorite Christmas movie. Don't come at Ryan Collins with that. Okay. No, don't. I, I will have I, – I have ammo for that. Collins has ammo. My second pick has to be Elf. I know it's kind of a stupid pick. Like everyone has seen Elf. Everyone's seen Elf. Am I wrong? Like everyone yeah. has seen it with Will Ferrell. Well, Elf's on like 24-7 now. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know when that happened. I felt like Home Alone when I was younger 
was kind of that movie where you're trying to sell that like basically all day. And I never got sick of it because I love Home Alone. And I'll get to that a little bit later on my list. Me too. But like, Elf, the print about Elf is I like Elf. It's a once a Christmas movie for me. I don't, and I think there's multiple Christmas movies on the board. And when you think of Christmas that you can just rewatch. And I don't think Elf's yeah. one of those. Elf is fantastic, but it's only yeah. a one time for Christmas season watch for me. That's fair. And honestly, that's kind of what I was going to bring up. It's just the fact that I watched it so many times as a kid, probably from the age of like eight to 15, that I've just, I've seen it so many times that I, I, yeah, I watched it once last week. I don't care to watch it again, but every time I watch it, I do enjoy it and I love it. Uh, I don't laugh the way I used to, you know, with that movie, but it is what it is, man. It's Will Ferrell. It's funny. It's Elf. It's good content. I love that movie as well. Yeah. Shout out it's James Town. It's just not. It's just not a disappointing Christmas movie. That's all I gotta say. There's there's a few out there that are like, okay, you watch this. By the way, the Christmas story. I hope that's not on your list because no, that movie never. stinks. I don't know why anyone uh, people people praise that movie and put it up on a pedestal like it's fantastic. I'd rather watch Elf a hundred times out of a hundred than a Christmas story. But I'll kick it back to you for your second pick. I'll say this. I don't know what TBS was thinking, just hitching their wagon to the Christmas story. And they're like, yeah, we're going to do 24 hours of the Christmas story. Cool, dude. No one's watching your channel on Christmas. Yeah. Then. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, if you want no one to watch, I guess. Uh, and, and, and this might be different for older people, but as a child and as a person now, that movie stinks. It's not funny. Not I, I, I don't like any of the gags. Like, hey, cool that his tongue got stuck on a frozen pool. Yeah, not cool. that funny. They, got a, they got a lamp that's like a female's yeah. leg or some crazy. Wow, stuff. the dad is like the meanest human being on the history of the earth. Yeah, like, I, yeah, like I, I, I'm fine. I don't get up for it. I don't yeah. get up for it. Okay, yeah, I, I don't. I just I, not my, not my cup of tea. But next movie, I kind of <laughs> mentioned it a little bit earlier. And, and, and this is this might be a hot take, but my number two Christmas movie is Home Alone Two: Lost in New York. And, that is, I don't think I'll let you explain. I don't think that's a hot take, but but explain yourself. Well, Marv gets hit by the bricks, and <laughs> till this day, I mean, that's one of the funniest scenes I've ever seen in television. Like, first of all, Marv should die if you really think about him. The home, like, he would be dead if he got hit by a yeah. brick from like ten stories. Too. Electrocuted. Yeah, but like him getting hit by a brick from like a hundred, like ten stories is just—it makes me laugh every time. It makes me laugh every single time. Yeah, Marv getting hit by the Brits is unbelievable. I mean, the Macaulay Culkin, it, like him being in the plaza, it just feels kind of like Christmas. It's a very Christmassy movie to me. And the fact, oh, Joe Pesci. I, 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 the fact that Joe Pesci, just the Wet Bandits are a dynamic duo and they get even stronger. <laughs> they, get, they get even stronger in yeah. Home Alone 2. They do. And, no, they and they're do. great in Home Alone 1. They're great, and, and, and guess what? I'm gonna leave Home Alone off one off my board, just for the sake of competition and, and throwing out some new movies because I think I, I think I know which way you're gonna go in the next pitch. But Home Alone Two is my favorite Home Alone. Well, I I am gonna I'll get the Home Alone one. That's my third pick. But first, I want to address the fact that yes, the Wet Bandits are iconic. They're incredible. They're electric. If anyone doesn't like these movies. It can't be because of those two. Something that my that my roommates and I like to do is kind of just kind of, you know, just do the hairy like, just like nothing, just like randomly just start saying gibberish in that voice. It's pretty funny. Uh, but but nonetheless, Home Alone 1 is my third pick just because I love the pranks in that movie specifically. Oh. Like 
Like, why are you dressed like a chicken? I laugh every time. I think it's hilarious. Stepping on the ornaments, getting shot in the face with a BB gun, getting shot in the groin with a BB gun. Like, it's unbeatable, iconic, first movie, started the whole thing. You got to get some Home Alone 1, yes. Can we talk about Uncle Frank just being one of the biggest movie villains in, like, Christmas movie (laughs) history? Yeah, he's a villain, but he's, like, not a villain, but he's a villain. He's hilarious, too. Uncle Frank is a laugh-out-loud character. Home Alone, I think, it, when you talk about Christmas movies, is the most universally liked one. Is that fair to say? I would say so. Because, like, you get our generation, I think, who likes it. Uh, no I one, mean, no one it. doesn't like Home Alone. That's the thing. No yeah. one doesn't like it. Like, everyone's either indifferent or they like it. Like, you pop it in, your dad watches it. He's he's giving – Marv gets hit by the Brits. He's losing it. Like, everyone's losing it when yeah, Marv gets right, hit right, by the right. Brits. Oh, just a great film. Great films. They have, like – and people will be like, oh, Home Alone 1 and Home Alone 2 are basically like the same. Yeah, cool. Now, how, how the parents lose two, their kids twice? I don't know. Movies are fantastic. Keep yeah. losing kids. I don't know. Also, you know what? Shout out John Candy for being in the first one. Shout out John Candy. Rip. Big rip. Yeah, rest in peace. All what, right. What, what, your- sorry, I, I know. What is the band that they're in? It's some polka band. I don't uh, know. It, it's, it's funny. That's another funny scene that people forget. Okay, I'm trying. When I think of like Christmas movies, like I, I, I think I gotta go Frosty the Snowman, number three. Dude, okay, that's my number four, but I'll let you elaborate. Go for it. I just love Frosty the Snowman. I think it's my favorite out of those like animated, like kind of claymation weird Christmas movies. And, and, and I didn't really watch it a lot of my house, but me, and my I have so many cousins and I have a big family. Whenever I'd go over to my my cousin Donovan's house, we would watch Frosty the Snowman during Christmas time. Love Frosty the Snowman. And then Frosty kind of gets lost in the shuffle with the whole, like, Re- Rudolph type of deal. And, and I, I'm not a fan of that. I, I, I think Frosty is a first-round pick when it comes to, like, Christmas, like, fables and characters. And I think Rudolph should take a bat seat to Frosty. I just don't get it. Frosty's so good. That movie's incredible. I have to say this. The magician in that movie is I, I laugh out loud funny, also terrifying at the same time. Um, I, I really was afraid of him as a child. I actually just had a nightmare about him last week. I told my brothers about it. He's a pretty scary looking dude. And if you don't watch the movie, you won't actually understand what I'm saying. But, you know, that's that. I'll, I'll give some love to Frosty. I, I had it as my, as my uh, fourth pick on my list. I'll think of a new one if, if, if you got anything else to add for Frosty. No, I, you can go more in depth for Frosty because I, I I don't know what it is. I just uh, every time Frosty's on, I'm like, you know what? I had a good time watching that. Well, it's just funny. I think it's just it's just funny. It's goofy. Again, it's another short one that you kind of just pop in, get it over with. It's a good time. You're feeling good about the Christmas spirit and everything. Um, yeah, it's good. Of all those old, you know, animated ones, you, you hit the nail on the head. I talked about the year without a Santa Claus. It's my favorite one. Other than that, you know, you got your Rudolph movie and all that stuff. I think the Frosty, the Snow, you're without a, excuse me, Santa Claus coming to town. Have you seen that one, Collins? Yes. That's the one. That's another puppet one about the origin of like Santa Claus. That one's okay. It's good, uh, but it's a little longer. So I I, I give Frosty the nod of all the old ones. So I, I commend your pick. That was also on my list. So I'll kick it back to you. Okay. For my final one. I have to go with a personal favorite, Jingle All the Way, with Arnold Schwarzenegger, Turbo Man. I, I Phil Hartman is like the neighbor trying to hit on like Arnold Schwarzenegger's wife. Turbo Man, 
just a staple. My neighbors used to play that movie literally nonstop during Christmas. And I, Sinbad's in the movie. How do you not like a movie with Sinbad when he was in his bad <laughs> in the 90s? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I just. Saginaw. Is he from Saginaw? I think so. Well, okay, Benton Harbor. I think. That, I mean, I, yeah. Don't, don't hold me to the Saginaw thing. I think well, he's I from mean, Saginaw, I mean, Sinbad's in two of my favorite movies, Good Burger and Jingle All the Way. And, and Jingle All the Way, just pure comedy, just great physical comedy. And then Arnold kills the role. One of the more unrealistic endings of all time, because like Arnold Schwarzenegger like turns into like a Superman in a super suit. Like, yeah. In the Christmas parade, I don't think they're just like making suits that have capabilities to fly for the guy that's sitting on the float, but I guess they did for this one. But hey, good movie. I, I really enjoyed it as a kid, and I still enjoy it. Shout out Jindal all the way. That's my number four. This is one of those that I've kind of seen bits and pieces of but have never really put it together. Um, I'm, I'm going to have to watch that, Collins. I, I, that's on my list. That's on my list more than uh, what was the other one, Just Friends. Is that the other? Yeah, I'll, I'll say this, though. Just Friends, I think you would enjoy it more than you enjoy Jindal all the way now. Because Jindal all the way is more like you watch it as a kid, and it's kind of got the nostalgia factor. It's still funny. Okay. Still okay. holds up, yeah. but like it, I, I don't necessarily know if it's the same. Did we miss any off our list? I wish Hank was here today because I'm sure he has a personal well, favorite and one that I will, there's a ton of good Christmas movies. Well, Hank, Hank's from the UP. Shout out Hank. I love Hank. Probably has some like weird movie that Hank loves. I will, I will say this The Polar Express is probably a big one we missed. I hate I that movie. It, I refuse. I watched I it last week. I'll, I'll tell you, Collins, I watched it last week. It's not. There's just something about it, man, that's a little kind of off to me. I, 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 I can't take the graphics. I just can't I do say, it. I, I can't do it. I think it's the animation. They thought they were a little cutting edge there, and they weren't. It's pretty creepy. But Tom Hanks is awesome. So you watch it for Tom Hanks. You do what you got to do. But, it, I, I, dude, I just – people try to build that as a classic, and I just don't think it is. I'm sorry. I don't. Honorable mention for me, honestly, I got to put four Christmases with Vince Vaughn and – Reese Witherspoon, love that movie, love that movie. I love Vince. You're big Fong. on the comedies, aren't you? Yeah, I, I, you want to feel light when you're watching Christmas. Miracle yeah, on Thirty Fourth Street, favorite as a kid. I, I, I always like the like part where it's like, oh, Santa's real. Like, oh, I was like, that's nice. It's a nice message, I guess. <laughs> I was, yeah, I, I like that movie. And then other than that, I mean, I, I don't think. I mean, you could go with like Scrooge or Bill Murray's pretty solid. I'm looking through a list right now. I mean, I'm not a Love Actually guy. It's all right. I mean, I'm not going to watch that year in, year out. If it's on TV, I might pop it on. Well, listen, if we're have to, if we going to move on, I have to give my quick honorable mention. Oh, I forgot the Grinch, dude. I forgot the oh, Grinch. Okay, the Grinch is good. It's always funny and stuff, but, like, it, it's just – okay, I, I will say this. The Grinch should be in my top four. It is, but I just, I've seen it too many times. Like, I watched it last night even. I've seen it three times this season already. I'm kind of over it, but it's, it's good. Jim or, what Grinch? Okay, you you like the Jim Carrey one? That's yeah. the one I watch. If I'm watching yeah. the Grinch, I'm watching the Jim Carrey one, and, and, and I'll watch the old animated one too. But I, I haven't watched the new animated one. Maybe I got to get that on my list. But eh. I saw the new animated one in theaters because I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. It was good. Um, okay. Not great. Jim Carrey's still better, but good. I, I will say it, my one honorable mention is Good Luck Charlie. It's Christmas sleeper. Oh my I'm god. Sure, I'm, I'm sure no one's seen it. Just watch it wild plot wild time if you watch the show you'll love the movie that's all i gotta say i'll say this though i there, there we can maybe do another thing on christmas's episodes that that's maybe a little bit too obscure but i mean 
just <laughs> there's some good Christmas episodes out there. Shout out to the office, Benny Hanna Christmas, all time TV show episode. Yeah. But okay, we'll move on away from Sparty Awards and wrap up the show with a little Michigan State basketball. Um, not a whole lot going on. We were expecting a big matchup with Virginia this Wednesday, got canceled, COVID issues inside the Cavalier program. You were looking forward to see Sam Hauser and Joey Hauser take uh, just play against each other. That would have been a really cool moment for that family. Um, first things first, and Michigan State took on Oakland today, struggled with them in the first half, up four at the break, ended up winning 109 to 91, winning by 18 points. I mean, they got hot in the second half offensively. They couldn't miss from the field. Um, I, I don't know if you have any strong takes, but six teams in. I don't know where this Michigan State team is. I don't have any strong takes on this team just yet. And last week, I think they came out a little bit stronger because I think they had a little bit more conviction that Duke was going to be maybe a decent team. I don't know if Duke is going to be that good. I really don't. So yeah. I, I, I don't know how valuable that win is. And like you saw Notre Dame beat Kentucky. Like I don't think Notre Dame's that good. I think UDM might be a decent team in the horizon. Like that could be a decent mid-major team. That you, I, I don't know. Like, I just – I don't I have no feel for this team. They're still playing 12 guys. I have no idea what this rotation is going to be. Yeah. And, and I think there was a report that the Spartans might take on the Chippewas this Wednesday, try and get that on the schedule to kind of fill in for that Virginia game. Yes. So, And I don't think that's the answer to any questions. We're going to figure out what this team is once they get in the Big Ten play. But, like – and last week we kind of talked about like, oh, this team could compete for a Final Four national title. I'm holding off on all that stuff. I, I'm to be honest, just like in, in retrospect and just looking at the total of their non-conference slate. And I know it's been quick, and it's not the usual like month type of period right. that it is. I haven't been overly like, well, this team is like they got. I'll say this: they have really good pieces. They do. I just haven't seen it yet. I just haven't. And, and you watch other teams like Illinois, not even Illinois, because I think Illinois and Michigan State are kind of in the same boat. Oh, and, and, and in the middle of this conversation, at the very end of the show, we are joined for our producer, Henry Manigos. Hank, before we keep talking about Michigan State basketball, what is your favorite Christmas movie? Um, The Grinch. Okay, good answer. Good, good answer. answer. Fantastic yeah. answer. With Jim Carrey or the animated one? Oh, Jim Carrey. I would watch that. I would watch that in July. I would watch that in the middle of April. I, I don't care. You name it. I'm watching it. Are you a big yeah, fan of fake? That's a little uh, weird. Yeah, that is I, a little but, weird. But that's, that's cool, though. That's your movie. I mean, is, are you guys big fans of Faith Hill, Where Are You Christmas? Fantastic song. Oh, yeah. But, I, I mean, good that song. All the time. Yeah, good song. Good song. I don't know. Yeah. Fantastic song. Not good song. But <laughs> Hank, it, it, as you join the show, we're talking a little Mission State basketball. Um, I'm basically saying I, I just don't – I don't know what this team I, – I, I, and I heard an announcer say this, and I've seen some people on Twitter say this. The five positions that are going to be an issue for this mission safety. I, I, I don't know what direction they're going on, and, and I kind of bought into the Marcus Bingham hype the first two games of the year. I'm like, oh, he looks really good. He looks like he's taking the step. He kind of looks like the same guy he's been the past two years. I I don't know where you go with that position. Do you go small? Like, I, I, this team has so many lineups. I, I'm not confident in maybe like 90% of what they put out on the floor sometimes. I, I, I don't know. I, I, well, I, I'm a lot more down on this Michigan State team and, and maybe for no reason. I just been doing thinking in my head. I just, 
there's not a lot of confidence for myself with this team right now. Well, let me just say this. I mean, in, in terms of your uh, your lack of faith in the five position, I, I, I just want to ask, like, I don't really think there's much of a discrepancy between the four and the five, the way the Spartans run this offense. I think, you know, between like Thomas Kithier, Joey Hauser, uh, Malik Hall, Marcus Bingham, I, I don't really know if there's a ton of, uh, you know, even Julius Marble, if there's a ton of, you know, if there's a fine line between which guys are fours and which guys are fives, I think it's mostly just, you're going to put your best two bigs out there. And Collins, I want to ask you this. I mean, this team is six and oh, so, I mean, I, I, I get what you're saying. You want to hold off on all the national championship talk. My thing is, well, I understand why you might not, you know, trust this team to, to, to win it all and to be able to say the ceiling is a title. I still believe the ceiling is a title. So I want to ask you, like, do you trust any other teams more than you trust Michigan State thus far? Well, I, I, I think Baylor and Gonzaga are on a different level than a lot of teams in the country. I, I've loved what I've seen out of Iowa. I thought that they were not going to be the team that everyone said they were going to be. They looked like that and maybe more because Jordan Bohannon, I, I almost forgot that he came back after getting injured early in last season. He's been good. I mean, Luka Garza has been incredible, scoring like 20 straight points against rival Iowa State a couple nights ago. I, I, as we get in this Big Ten slate, I'm just saying, I, I, I'll say that I think Michigan State fans are going to have to reasonably lower their expectations. How about that? Because I, I, I think this team is going to have some problems. And, and, and that's Michigan State basketball. They're always like – They'll figure it out by February or March or whenever the NCAA tournament's going to be. There's going to be some rocky, rocky points. Like they could go out and easily lose to a Penn State. Like they could easily go out and, and maybe even get hammered by a Rutgers one night. I, I offensively, I, I just there's questions offensively for this team. I just I, I don't. And, and, and I might not, I might be rambling and just kind of like, what, what do you even mean? Like you, you sound stupid. You're not even like putting facts and figures, anything. It's just, and, and I've known this smart team seen a lot of zone defense, which you're not going to see in the big 10. It just seems like there's no rhythm or flow with this offense. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so. Because you also look at a big picture Collins, you know, it's like <clears throat> that Eastern Michigan game. Yeah, cool. You kind of took the top off. You should have the Notre Dame game. You got out to a big lead. You didn't really finish the game, right? That was more defensively. Like, they, they that Notre Dame game, they just ended them defensively. They were getting out in transition and stuff. But, like, half-court offense-wise, this team, I, they have questions because I don't think they have a guy you can throw the ball down on the block like you did at Xavier Tillman and, and, and get you a bucket or even kick it out and find one of your shooters. I think, Rocky I, think Bob- I think if anything, that guy's going to be Joey Hauser if we see someone transition, which isn't a hot take. I understand. It's not a hot take. He's been the best player all year so far. But I think if you're going to see anything develop into any sort of that, yeah, get get us a bucket down to the block, it's going to be Joey Hauser. But we'll see. I, I don't know. I just – it's not even that, too, because, I, I mean, Rock didn't get his own shot whenever, and I've been a big proponent of Foster just playing point guard so you kind of unlock – what Rocket's really good at, which is scoring, and he's just a volume shooter. That's just the type of player he is. Well, I mean, he he's kind of got a, he's gotten comfortable in that point guard role th- throughout the last couple of games. I still think Foster needs about twenty minutes a game because I think he gets other people involved a little bit better than Rocket. No slight on him; it's just they have different games. Aaron Henry has not taken a step offensively. I still think he's the best defender in the Big Ten. Gabe Brown is a big question every time you play someone who is 
a good at basketball team. A respectable yeah. opponent. He usually shrinks. So I and Josh Langford, I, I I've actually the last two games, I think athletically, he's looked a lot better. Like you've seen some things athletically that you didn't see in the first couple games. So maybe he continues to come on. I don't know. I just I I, I we agree on this. I think Hauser is their best player. I just don't understand. I, I don't get the way they're kind of using him because he's out on the perimeter a lot more than he's out on the block. And I, and I think the way to go, and I don't have an answer and you haven't really seen us in large portion is playing Hauser at the five. Am I wrong? I don't think you're wrong at all. I think, you know, Hauser kind of the, the idea with him transferring over from Marquette two years ago or a year ago, whatever was that, he was going to be a stretch four. And I think the reason you kind of thought that was because you had Tillman in the mix. Now, obviously Hauser didn't get his eligibility until this season. Now Tillman's gone. And now you kind of look at what you've got. You're like, okay, Joey Hauser. Yeah. He can stretch the floor, but he's also a great playmaker. So you try to, it's, it's, I don't know. He can play the four or the five, but Collins, you're exactly right in terms of what you've got here for depth. Cause let's not get something wrong here. The Spartans are very deep, but too much depth can be a problem. And I think that's kind of where I look at this team. Like I would rather put out, I'd peg Hauser as a five because I'm not sure how many other guys on this team I can peg as a five, maybe Marble, but you know, Malik Hall to me leans more on the four. Marcus Bingham leans more on the four. Thomas Kithier, whatever he teeters. It is what it is. I just, this seems very deep and I'm more comfortable looking at Joey Hauser as a five every night than some of these other guys. I think that's just kind of how that, that, and it has nothing to do with the way he plays. It's more just like in terms of the rotation and trying to trim down this rotation from, like you said, Collins, 12 deep to, you know, eight or nine. I think Marbles in need more minutes. I, I really do. I think he fits what Michigan State does historically better than a lot of the big guys that they got. Like he really, he, the thing that he's impressed me, he's kind of got a nice offensive touch. Like he really, like, and good feel for the game. And you maybe he could turn into a guy who could give you some post scoring, which is something that Michigan State historically likes to do, throw it on the block. And then you kind of do, do things from there, or you do your horn set, screen, roll at. Like they love using an interior bid and getting him the ball down. Like that's a Michigan State staple usually with Izzo. And, and it doesn't have to be a dominant scorer or a really talented guy like Adrian Payne or something. Like you saw Matt Casello turn into a guy like that at the end of his Michigan State career. So I, I, I'm interested how they're going to play against those teams like Iowa and Illinois who got big dudes on the front line because I, at the same point, Marcus Bingham gives them length, but I, I don't necessarily think he gives them like what they need against a guy like that. Like I, I don't think he has a twitness. I don't think he has a floor presence. I, I, I really don't think he's a good help side defender, which is something that I think he would need to improve on if he wants to somehow play in the next level. He has a talent, but I, I just don't see it. So other than that, I mean, not a whole lot to talk about Michigan State basketball until we get into the big time schedule. That's just my take. And I'm probably wrong because Tom Izzo's teams are just the weirdest group of things. Like we'll think AJ Hodgers not gonna get any minutes like for like the rest of the year. And like by March, maybe he's like the site, like he's starting. Like stuff like that could happen with it. Like things that Maddie Sizoko hasn't played at all. Maybe he gets a ton of minutes once we get in the big template. Like, Izzo's weird like that. Like, and guys, there's a lot of guys who have really up years with Izzo, and there's a lot of guys that will have really down years. Like, Gabe Brown, maybe he elevates his game, but there's also possibly that Gabe Brown just can't get on the floor because he's a liability. Like, you've seen that under Izzo. And that that is the the blessing and the curse of having such a deep team. That just is what it is. And that, that's a t- – 
that is a compliment to Izzo's recruiting and just the program mm-hmm. Michigan State's built. And we don't have to get into that because everyone kind of understands how that works. But this team is very deep, and they're now 6-0. and So we'll see rolling into next Sunday at least. You know, you mentioned maybe a game against the Chippewas this week. That'd be awesome. As a, as a, as a, as a son of the Chippewa family, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that happens. But whatever. It, it is what it is. Spartans are fourth in the country right now. Uh, maybe going to move up in those ranks. We'll see. But they're 6-0. and so you don't have a whole lot to complain about, but there are a few question marks. Okay. Okay, good episode of the Dream White Report. I, Hank, before we go. I was going to say, got, we got to get Hank back in real quick. Yeah, I, I, yes. And the one thing I wanted to talk about, what are your thoughts on Dan Bailey's performance today for the Minnesota Vikings? Dude, I that's the thing. I haven't been able to watch any football today. I was gone on a shoot all day. So I saw that they lost. Just I don't paying even know the bills. Happened. Hank had to pay the bills. Hey, what? All business today, no play. And he I came break, right. Break to the, the news to me though. What what happened today? I, I mean, they lost. Dan Bailey that. missed three field goals. I think he missed two extra points. It wasn't good for Dan Bailey. So yeah, yeah. I think he might have had money on Tampa. I don't know. So that's the playoff hopes are dashed now. Then I don't not, know, necessarily. I don't, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Oh, because you know what happened? You know what else happened, Hank? The Lions lost, which means the Vikings are still <laughs> in the mix. Not really. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't. It's not even that. Like they could still draw and get the Cardinals. I think. Do they play the Cardinals? No. Or is it just the Lions that play the Cardinals every year? Just the Lions, I guess. Just the Lions. <laughs> it's a Lions thing. But hey, thank you for coming. I appreciate. Hey, I'm glad it. I could make it. I, you know, I didn't want to miss out on my boys. You know, once a week. Hard, hard worker, Hank, right here. It's eleven yeah, twenty. You know, eleven twenty Eastern. Hank, Hank 11... did not have to come in here and punch the numbers in and hop on, but he did. So it means a lot. Yeah. 11.21 p.m. Eastern, and Henny Easy, Hank Menegos, is coming out here and trying to help us out on the pod. Got to appreciate that out of our hey, producer. Appreciate the love, boys. Yeah. <laughs> but for that, Ryan Collins, Trent Valley, and the Green and White Report. We'll be back next week. We were talking about doing a two-hour show. I think this week's just been a little bit crazy because of school, and, and, and the energy might have not been there this week. We'll bring it next week. We're going to be refreshed as we're done with school for the set semester. Set the bar up here. Set the yeah. bar way up here. I know, very good radio. We're yeah. going to bring it next week, okay? I, and, and, and people I like have say that word. every week. And, like, people are listening on a weekly basis. They're like, are they ever going to bring it? Guess what? We're bringing it next week. <laughs> yeah. That, next week's the week. It's like the Lions. It's like, when are they going to win the Super Bowl? This year. Like, it, 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 never doubt us. Now. Right now. We're making it sound like our radio show is horrible, which I don't yeah, think whatever. it is. <laughs> whatever. We're allowed to be our own biggest critics. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but good episode. We'll see you guys next Monday at 8 or 9 o'clock. Ryan Collins, Trent Valley, and our producer, Henry Menegos. Thank you for listening to Green and White Report. You have been listening to the Green and White Report on WDBM. For all your sports news and notes, go to impact89fm.org sports. <laughs> <laughs>